When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to the Justin Verlander is a New York Met edition of Rico Bronia. It actually went down before Craig and I went on the air Monday. So before I could respond on the afternoon show about the Grom and the Jet game and the Giant game, we had more Met news, which is Justin Verlander signing. So we obviously touched on it during the afternoon show. We'll give you a Verlander reaction edition of Rico Bronia. I don't think either Hoff and I are surprised. And we mentioned this the last two times we talked. This seemed like the perfect kind of pivot to go to. Uh, it made a lot of sense for a few reasons. The reason I liked it ahead of Radone was the short-term aspect of it. You know, I like the idea, despite the concerns, which we'll get to about the age of Verlander and Scherzer leading a rotation, the fact that it's not a very long commitment. And one thing I pointed out at the end of the last Rico we did, and it's worth repeating, is that Major League Baseball's free agency over the next three winters features a lot of really good pitchers. And so if you're the Mets, you've got a chance to kind of give it a try with these two guys for a year or two, two with Verlander, maybe a year with Scherzer because of his opt-out, and then pivot towards... During this year's free agency, Shohei Otani, Luis Severino, Julio Urias, Aaron Nola. Next year's free agency, Max Free, Tyler Glasnow, Corbin Burns, Shane Bieber, Brandon Woodruff. So it does give the Mets the opportunity to let it ride with two old guys and then have the ability to have the payroll flexibility with both of these contracts coming off the books. That's part of why I liked it. Part two of why I liked it is that He's Justin Verlander. Look, Justin Verlander is one of the great pitchers of all time. I'd be the first to tell you. And what he did last year makes no sense. I'd be the first to admit it. It made no sense that at 39 years old, coming off of Tommy John surgery, that Verlander was able to have the year he had, in which he went out and won the American League Cy Young. If you look at the history And this is why we're uncharted territory with Verlander and trying to predict what he's going to be at 40, 41, 42, and beyond. Before he had this Tommy John surgery, go back to 2020, summer of 2020, when he pitched in and got hurt, we found out he needed the TJ. The history of guys, 36 and older, having Tommy John surgery is a not a good list. It's not a long list, and it doesn't feature guys that would make you say, oh, don't worry, he did it. Like, the most impressive guy on the list was Bronson Arroyo and Jamie Moyer at 47. Like, there wasn't a history that told you Verlander could come back. And look, maybe it's modern medicine. Maybe it's the modern athlete. Um, I I need to do this once a show because it makes Hoffman pissed off. The recovery of Kevin Durant's a great example. To come back from a torn Achilles and play at the level he's playing at. (laughs) Now, my point is, There was no record, a track record, of someone the age of Verlander 
having Tommy John surgery and then coming back and being as good as he was a year ago. It just doesn't exist. So when you try to take that and say, okay, well, what does that mean for next year? What does it mean for Verlander at 40? There's no record of it. Like there isn't an example that we can look at good or bad and say, this is what happens when you're now two years removed from Tommy John surgery and you're 40 years old. And oh, by the way, you've thrown 3,163 major league innings. And it's really more than that if you include the postseason and spring training and the minor leagues. But Verlander was brilliant in 2022. And prior to the two years he missed for Tommy John, here's the amazing thing about Verlander. He would go out and make 30 starts every single season. Every year. If I'm not mistaken, there was only one season in his major league career prior to needing Tommy John surgery in which he didn't pitch 200 innings and make 30 starts. And that year was 2015. That was it. So, by the way, everything I'm saying right now, you could take as a positive or a negative. The negative being, he's got a lot of tread on the tire. The positive being, he's got a great track record of pitching every five days. And he does. But you can't ignore he's 40 years old, and he did miss all of uh, 20 and 21 due to injury. But I still think in terms of, hey, who has the best chance of going out in 2023 and making 30 starts and throwing 180 innings I believe Justin Verlander has the best chance of any of the remaining pitchers after DeGrom's side. I would have argued DeGrom, that's a different story. World. We got to move on from it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about it anymore. Right? I've, I've talked myself out of it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But Carlos Redon, Justin Verlander, name who anyone, anyone you want, Jamison Tyone, Taiwan Walker, Chris Bassett, of all the guys out there, who has the best chance to make 30 starts in 2023? And crazily enough, I think the answer is a 40-year-old Justin Verlander. Do you agree with that, by the way, Pete? That of all the guys remaining prior to the Mets signing Verlander, and we're just predicting here, like, there's no way to know the future, he actually is the guy I'd have the most confidence in pitching a full season. As far as free agents, yes, you go down that list. A lot of these guys are one-offs. Uh, coming off in, not coming off injuries, but guys that just maybe had a successful season this past year, but haven't been consistently been able to do it. So yeah, you're right. I, I mean, he did pitch Verlander. He pitched 28 starts, 174 innings, I think, which is the lowest full season total since like 2015, like you said. But I mean, yeah, I think he's the guy. Like, and I feel more confident with him than anybody else. Not saying it's good, Every- but. Everything can change in a second, obviously. I mean, everything that we see in Verlander's career can immediately change with an injury in April. So you knock on wood around that. But last year, his innings being down sort of had to happen. He came out right out of the gate and was great. And it was stunning how great he was. And then he missed a few weeks in early September due to injury. But it turned out to probably be a good thing because the Astros were cruising their way to an American League Western Division title. They knew he was going to have to make four or five postseason starts. So why not make sure he's fresh for the start of the postseason? So between August 29th and the postseason beginning on October 11th, so that's the course of about a month and a half, he only made four starts in September. And I think a lot of that was the situation. Like I pointed out, the Astros standings-wise had everything wrapped up. But here's what's crazy. Verlander comes back August 29th after he misses a few weeks. I'm sorry, he missed 
August 29th until September 14th or so. That's pretty much what it was. So he missed about a three-week period. He made four starts. He pitched 23 innings and allowed three earned runs. He came back and, like, didn't miss a beat. 31 strikeouts, three walks. He was locked in. His playoff numbers were not great. He did not have the greatest postseason in 2022. That first start against Seattle went very badly. The Astros bailed him out. Remember, they came back in that rally in game one against Seattle. His best start came against the Yankees, but that always happens. He owns the Yankees for whatever reason. Six innings, one run in the ALCS. And then he made the two World Series starts. Because remember, the Astros cruised their way to World Series. So they didn't need Verlander to make many postseason starts. Um, World Series, five innings, five runs, the no decision. And then he kind of had the the bounce back, the five-inning, one-run performance that helped the Astros win the World Series. So the bag was mixed in the postseason from him. Do I take a lot of stock in that? A little bit only because Scherzer was so good last year. And then even though he missed a lot of time, either he ran out of gas or was just hurt again, as the report was. But either way, because it doesn't matter, Max Scherzer was ineffective at the end of the season. Justin Verlander was ineffective at the end of the season. And that's the biggest concern we're going to have. Like as much as we just talked about making 30 starts and throwing 200 innings, we want and need Verlander and Scherzer to be elite when it matters. Because if this past season shows us anything, you could go win 100 games in the regular season. That's great. And they did it by barely getting starts out of Scherzer and DeGrom. Think about it. How many starts did the two aces actually make during the regular season? Not a lot. Not a crazy amount. They contributed, but they weren't the main reasons why the Mets won 101 games. But what we remember is what happened at the end. So the Mets, and this is going to be very important with Verlander and Scherzer, and we're going to scream and yell about it. I'm telling you right now, we're going to bitch about this. They got to find a way to keep these guys fresh. They got to find a way to maybe even skip a start here and there because we learned it from this past year. Could go out and have the greatest regular season in the world. If you suck in October, your ass is getting booed off the mound. Max Scherzer will tell you. He'll remind you what happened. So I know it's going to be frustrating. And look, the rest of the team has to play well enough where you could afford to do it. Because if you're fighting tooth and nail just to make the postseason, you really don't have the option. But ideally, you're going to find a way or try to find a way to keep Scherzer and Verlander's innings down. Verlander's 40. Scherzer's 38. Like, they're both going to the Hall of Fame on ice skates. I get that. I respect that. But for this to work, for us to be happy, they got to win in October. And you have to find a way to keep them fresh going into October. Would you like to hear a random Verlander stat that will get you very excited but mean absolutely nothing? Oh, please give it to me. (laughs) I preface it, it'll get you excited, but it means nothing. So, obviously, the National League East is the new division of Justin Verlander, as is the National League, a career American League pitcher. Out of curiosity, I looked up his numbers against the four division rivals, the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Washington Nationals, and the Miami Marlins. I left us out because he can't face us. He's on our team. I don't know if you know that. He threw 78 innings in his career 
against the four division rivals. Very evenly split. Three starts against Atlanta, three starts against Philadelphia, three starts against Washington, three starts against Miami. Very nice, nice and organized. 21 innings against the Braves, 19 innings against the Phillies, 19 innings against the Nationals, 19 innings against the Marlins. If you combine his numbers against all of these teams, he has a record of 9-1 and one with a 1.84 ERA. So basically, Justin Verlander, in his major league career, his brilliant major league career, has bitch-slapped the entire National League East. Does that excite you, Pete, or would you go on the side if it doesn't mean anything, Evan? I think it's more of it doesn't mean anything, but I, I listen, I, those numbers will certainly flash up at some point on that huge board they're putting out in City Field. <laughs> hey, this guy dominated the NLEs. <laughs> now, the funny thing is, that stretched out over a decade and a half because, you know, it's really interleague play. It's the only time he's facing these teams. So between 2006 and 2022, you somehow get these ultra-dominant numbers. It's amazing. Justin Verlander, through all of the interleague play, has only made two career starts at City Field. Is that not amazing? Two. Two. Meanwhile, Justin Verlander is so old. How old is he? Dude, he was on the 06 Tigers. I mean, if the if Beltron swings at a curveball, Beltron may be facing Verlander a week later. That's how old Justin Verlander is. But he's made two career starts at City Field. We remember the one this year uh, for the Astros. Pitch great. It was on that afternoon game in which SNY had us in their suite. That is, of course, the last time SNY will have us in their suite now that they don't like me. Uh, but Verlander threw great in that game. His other start at City Field went all the way back in 2010. Now, here's a depressing stat about Justin Verlander. And it's not his fault, but it should concern you. If you looked at the catchers that have caught Justin Verlander in his career, the guy who ranks fourth on the all-time Verlander list for most games caught, why are you shaking your head? It's almost like you know what I'm about to say. Oh, I feel like I know. This is going to be brutal. Go for it, though. The guy who's fourth on the all-time list of catching Verlander games is, of course, James McCann, who is currently on the New York Mets. He's caught 57 Verlander starts. Honestly, I don't think that's going to impact him being on this team or not. The fact that he caught Max back in the day catches him now, obviously, even though I, I was convinced Scherzer hated McCann. That was one of those fan fiction things I would tell myself. Ah, you see the way Max shakes his head at McCann's calls? He hates him. He he needs him out of here. He needs Nito. He loves Nito. But yeah, James McCann has a lot of experience with Verlander. 